Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. Thank you, sir. Saints of the Most High God, it is so great to finally be at Triad Adventist Fellowship. This is amazing. I've heard about this place for years, but I'm finally here in person, and I'm so excited. I bring greetings of grace and peace to you on behalf of Oregon believers in specific, the Medford Seventh-day Adventist Church. I've been a part of that community of believers now for seven years, uh, transplanted from North Carolina, where I am born and raised, right here, just about five miles from this building. I was thrilled to be able to attend Tri-City Academy so awesome to drive by that new school, new to me, and uh, how that shaped my life. I just can never give enough thanks, not just for the school, but for the people and the body of believers here that helped to shape me, and believe me, it took a lot of shaping, <laughs> but praise God, praise God, and so glad to be a part of your service this morning. I'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind, please bow your heads with me and let's pray again. Father, it is awesome to just come before your word always. It truly is powerful, and it's sharp, and it cuts deep, and it transforms. Lord, I, I pray this morning that you will continue that work that you started in all of us. Maybe someone, you'll start that work for the first time, even today. Lord, speak life into us. We are ready to hear we call upon your strength and presence in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I just want to start this morning by asking you, are you a happy camper? I've got to turn my clicker on, I guess. That'll help. Are you a happy camper today? How many enjoy camping? Okay, yeah, give me a nice little campsite just off the road, preferably really close to my house so I can run back and forth and get things I forgot. And I love camping. Yes, it is. <laughs> Backyard camping is even better. <laughs> All right, yes. I like, I love that. How many, though, like camping in the woods? Few less hands I see this morning. I like camping in the woods. That's, you know, that's okay. Not as crazy about that. How many of you like camping in the deep woods? Those backpacking deep wood campouts. Okay, I dislike that. I dislike camping in the deep woods. It's just, I feel like I'm too far away from civilization. Knowing how accident-prone I am, that's probably not a good thing. And I probably won't be able to get help quickly enough now that I have children, too. It just scares me a little bit more. So I haven't. And part of why I don't like deep woods camping is, is, um, has been reinforced in me because of the story I would like to share with you this morning that happened with my extended family. 
This story involves people who are very near and dear to my heart. And the reason I want to share this story with you this morning is so that you can hear the good news again also about the second coming of Jesus. And that that nearness of his coming would be more near and dear to each of our hearts. That's the purpose. So it happened September 16, 2012. That's my brother-in-law, well, my son, Ryan. By the way, let me go back. Sorry, I'm going too fast. That's my oldest son, Ryan. My daughter, by the way, is here this morning, Dakota, if you'll wave your hand. Thank you. She's, she is almost a teenager in two months. My oldest son, Ryan. We have a younger son, Shia. By the way, my wife is with him at home in Oregon, and we miss them. But this is my oldest son. He went on this camp out with his uncle, my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, Chad. His girlfriend at the time, that's Leslie. So I introduce you all to everybody. And then they brought two friends along with them who are from Miami, Florida. Their names are Chris and Lourdes. They all, this merry crew, decided to go on one of those deep woods campouts down into the ominous Linville Gorge. How many have ever heard of Linville Gorge? Yes. Linville Gorge is not for the faint of heart. This place is called the Grand Canyon of North Carolina. It is the deepest gorge in any land east of the Rocky Mountains, believe that or not. Deepest gorge. So they were going to hike. They were going to hike down into this gorge on foot. And they were going to camp out just across the river that runs the snakes along the bottom of that gorge for a few days. They were going to not have cell phone service. You don't get it down there. No cell towers. So they were going to be out of touch for those few days while they were camping there. This was going to be a deep woods camp out, to say the least. But they were well equipped. Our son Ryan, he's an athlete. He's in great shape. He's in the Air Force today. We're proud of him. Thank you. Chad, our, my brother-in-law, had just graduated at the time from the University of Miami. He is a medical doctor. He's an MD in radiology today, but had just graduated at that time with his degree. His girlfriend, Leslie, is a uh, bee in a nursing and uh, had been working in the hospital for a number of years. Also, their friends Chris and Lourdes were prepared. Chris is a firefighter and is prepped and trained in all kinds of rescue and crisis training. His girlfriend Lourdes is a nurse also, like Leslie, and have been working in the hospital for years. They also brought a bear along with them on the trip. That is Bear, our beloved German Shepherd. She's not with us anymore, but what a wonderful dog. She could scare off any stranger, whether it be human or animal, with that deep bark of hers. And 
So this team was equipped, probably better equipped than most to go on such a deep woods camp out. Now they knew that rain was in the forecast. How many go camping even if you know it's going to rain? You guys do love camping. Any folks who are serious campers, don't let rain stop them from going. And so they, of course, didn't let it stop them either. They packed two huge tarps to cover both of their tents. They also uh, had enough tarp space to cover their campfire. So they were set. Chad brought all kinds of equipment with them. They brought a water purifier, of course. Any serious camper wants to be able to purify their own water. They brought, you know, an axe. They brought um, three great tents. They brought great sleeping bags, even for colder weather, even though they didn't need it too much. Was it too cold? It's late September. Just the right amount of food. You don't want to bring too much food that weighs you down. So they brought just the right amount of food for themselves and for the dog, bear. And the idea is that they were going to go camping on Sunday night and Monday night, and they would return back home to us in Asheville on Tuesday, as we were in Asheville at the time, for about seven years there. A few days before they left, my wife Dawn began to ask Chad, how are we going to know where you are in case something goes wrong? Brilliant thinking. I'm so glad she's asking these questions. So Chad promptly fired up Google Earth. What a terrific tool pulled up Google Earth and zoomed in right exactly where they were going to camp, even the exact spot. She wrote down the coordinates, and the next plan was, well, if they don't come back on Tuesday night by 6 p.m., if they're not at the house at 6 p.m. Tuesday night, we will know that something must have gone wrong. So they're all set. On Sunday, they piled into my Suburban so they could all fit together and drive together, had all their gear. They parked on the edge of the gorge, and they were ready. They got all the gear out, started the trek down, and it truly goes down. It is steep. The rock ledges there can be treacherous, even bare. They had to help her and coax her down the hill because it was even a little bit nervous and nerve-wracking for her to try to steer herself down. Our son Ryan, he rolled his ankle right off the bat, and, but he toughed it out, and they made their way down finally to the bottom of the gorge, and once they got there, it truly was glorious. They set up their camp, they explored the woods. They swam in the river. They sat by the campfire. It was awesome. That first night, Chad, my brother-in-law, stood up and said, I'd like to have everyone's attention, please. And he pulled out a ring and knelt in front of Leslie and asked her to marry him. Everybody hugged. Everybody was thrilled. It was so exciting. What could go wrong? But that's when the rain set in. Now, like I said before, they knew that rain was in the forecast. 
But the problem is, is the weatherman rarely forecasts record rain, right? And that's what happens over the next 24 hours or so. That region around Asheville and into Linville Gorge experienced more rain than had ever been recorded in a single day in history. Ryan, Chad, Leslie, Lourdes, Chris, Bear, all pressed together. They huddled together near the fire, trying to stay warm. You never know how much you appreciate the finer things in life until you're soaking wet on a camp out. Amen? Yes. Yes, and they were wanting the finer things at that moment. They were experiencing a downpour, constant downpour. Now, there are only a couple of things really to do in a camp out on a downpour, right? You can huddle by the fire as much as you can, nibble on some food just to try to comfort yourself, and then what else do you do? You sleep. You just get in the tent, get in that sleeping bag, and sleep. And that's what they did for hours. Early Tuesday morning. I'm just going to go to a blank slide here. Early Tuesday morning, suddenly things got a lot worse. You see, a tree, they heard it cracking, and it fell. This tree fell right down into the middle of Chad's tent and struck him so hard on the head. This is a little bit gross, but i got to tell you, the blood splattered all inside of the tent, everywhere. The other campers could hear the screams, and they, the, Chad and jumped up, and he said that at that moment he began to try to speak, but he, he said that he couldn't. He, as he tried to formulate words, he just began to babble unintelligibly. And they could hear Leslie screaming, Chad, stop bleeding. He got hit so hard, he diagnosed as being scrambled. His head was scrambled for a moment. Finally, he began, after just a moment or two, to be able to form coherent sentences again, and he began to diagnose himself. He started to ask himself questions. Do I have a loss of control? No. Did I have a seizure? No. Any neurological signs or symptoms? No. Memory loss? No. At that moment, though, hysteria ensued in the camp. And Chad, however, in the middle of the panic, remembered that he had brought some super glue along with him. What a great tool for cuts. And so they all began to try to stop the bleeding on his head and try to get enough super glue in the wet downpour to be able to put that wound back together. They thought they had the bl blood stopped as they wrapped his head tightly and they let him lie back down. They went and looked at the tree that had fallen. And what scared them the most is that a branch had just missed the tent on that same tree and had plummeted two feet down into the ground. Had it been a few inches over, maybe one of their lives would have been over. Well, not only this, but they realized at that moment, as they looked over to the river that they were in for a surprise there too because the river had greatly been engulfed 
and had risen to a much higher level, had become much wider and much more rapid moving. And so they all began to scramble to get their belongings and move away from the river to higher ground. They realized that they were not going to be able to get across that river, that they were going to be stuck there for a while. Worst of all, as they were moving all this gear, Chad's head began to pour blood again, and they knew that they were nowhere near getting help. Whether we like it or not, in today's world, aren't we all on a deep woods camp out that has gone horribly wrong? There's a picture of the river engulfed. But aren't we all on a deep woods camp out in this earth that really has gone terribly wrong? God started the camp out in an amazing fashion for us. We had the perfect spot, didn't we? He created the perfect Garden of Eden. He created us thoroughly equipped, ready for anything in a world that had no pain, that had no fear, that had no crying. Nothing was wrong whatsoever. It was a glorious start. What could go wrong, right? But we know what went wrong, unfortunately. And Adam and Eve listened to their adversary, Satan, and sin was allowed to pour into this planet worse than any dramatic downpour. Everything became soaked with sin, didn't it? Everything became uncomfortable. Everything became panic-prone. So many people today realize that they are in a real pickle in this world of planet Earth, and worst of all, it's so tempting to believe that there is no hope, especially in a year like this. I'd say what else can go wrong, but I don't want to say that. <laughs> Fortunately, we know that Jesus said that he came to this earth to seek and save all who feel lost. He didn't just say it. He came and he proved it, didn't he? He proved it with his actions. He proved it every day. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 encapsulates Jesus' heart towards sinners as it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. I'm so thankful today that he saw this sheep who was weary and he had compassion on me. I thank God that he strengthened me and he got me on the right path and he gave me hope and he gives me hope every single day and keeps me on the right path. He's an awesome God. Jesus is awesome. He is the great hope of this world without a doubt, but he desperately wants us to take his hope once we find it to everyone, everywhere possible, while they are still also lost in the woods of sin. David, before he came, became king of Israel, he was afraid for Saul was seeking his life, and he ran into the woods. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 23, 16 said that someone went after him. It says, then Jonathan, Saul's son, even the son of a king who would normally try to help his father defeat anyone trying to take over the throne, yet he had something implanted in his heart where he went and sought even an enemy, what would be called an enemy in those days, in those cultures, but ran into the woods to, it says, Saul's son arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. For every David that is out there right now, and there's a lot of them, hiding in the woods, there needs to be a Jonathan, doesn't there, who will go and encourage them and strengthen them in the Lord and give them a hope that will not fail. No matter how bad things have been in the world today, and they have been bad lately, can I get an amen? Yeah. There's always folks still out there who have found hope in the world and spread this hope in spite of how bad it's been. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 13 to 16 says this about these revered people, these patriarchs of old. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. We're assured of them. We're assured of them. Embrace them and they confess that they were not they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have not had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, a better, that is, heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Ryan and Chad and Leslie and Lourdes and Chris and Bear all on that dreadful Tuesday night they were all seeking their homeland they would have gladly taken the opportunity to return they'd have gladly received some help for them to get there at that time I was off leading an evangelistic series in Marshall um they didn't communicate with us. We had no idea where they were. I didn't get home till late that night after the evangelistic series, and I hadn't heard anything yet, no distress calls. My phone had died, so I didn't get to hear until I got home. But as soon as I stepped foot in the door, my wife and everyone there was talking to me and saying they're not home. My wife called Burke County Sheriff's Department. She had them go out and look. She gave them the license plate number of the car, and she gave them the exact coordinates of where they were supposed to be. The sheriff later said, I've never in my life received the exact latitude and longitude of where people who are missing would be located. <laughs> Within about an hour, the sheriff's department called back. They said, yes, the car is still there. And they began to think, well, it must be because... The, the river had risen with all the rain, and they probably couldn't get back across it. And they said, we're going to try to make our way down there. It's a mess. The trail is completely washed out. We'll try to get down there as soon as we can. We'll try to call you either late tonight or first thing in the morning to give you the news. 
We all had a sense of fear and dread. We tried to go to sleep that night. We just felt like we couldn't sleep. You know, common sense told us things probably were okay, but we also had lived long enough at that point on earth to know that the worst-case scenario was still very plausible. We couldn't sleep hardly. Finally, 1.30 in the morning, we got a phone call. The authorities had located everybody. They were okay, but the rescuers said they couldn't get to them and that they would return the next day when it was daylight and help them get across the river. We were so thrilled. We went to bed that night relieved, but little did we know what was happening with the campers, their side of the story. Tuesday evening, they had been sharing pieces of granola bars and Pop-Tarts, rationing them out because, you know, they had eaten all the food ready to camp, to hike out that next morning before they realized the river had rose so much, had risen so much. Everybody's gear had been soaked completely. Everything was soaked, even through the tarps. Chad's gear soaked with more than just water. His stuff soaked in blood. They'd managed to put more glue on his head, but um, his own blood managed just to be on everything at that point. That night, they had sat by the fire Tuesday night after they had supposed to have left, but Chad was determined not to go to sleep because of his own condition. He was worried. At this point, they didn't know how long the river was going to take to go down. They didn't know how long it might be until they could get out of there, but about 1.30 in the morning, must have been right before we got that call, Chad said, did you hear something? And everyone stopped talking, and they heard a faint voice across the rushing river. And they looked, and they saw flashlights. And hope sprung up, you know, and they started screaming because it was so loud with the river. They started screaming back and forth to these people across the river. They said, the Lord has brought a panic whistle with her, and boy, she blew that thing for all she was worth. And they couldn't hear everything because it was so loud, but they thought that they heard that the rescuer said that they would come back the next morning. They said, is everyone okay? And Leslie screamed out, no, we're hurt. Someone's hurt. They said the river wouldn't go down for probably 48 hours, but they were going to come back. They said the next morning, hopefully by around 11 a.m. And they left. And campers returned back to their tent. Just like lost sinners who have found salvation in the Lord, the campers all said it was an extremely awesome moment. It was an incredibly relieving moment. They were so thankful. They hugged one another. They believed, literally, that things were going to be okay. And that night, they slept as much as they possibly could, but they got up extra early, and they were preparing and packing and getting everything ready. They wanted to be on the banks of the river so that they could be ready for those rescuers to come. At 11 a.m., the minutes seemed like hours, they said. Fifteen minutes, they said, would seem like an hour at least each time. Finally, 11 a.m. arrived, but no rescuers. They didn't come. Nowhere to be found. As they sat on the banks of the river, they began to wonder, and doubt began to creep in. 
did they really say today was the day? Maybe they said the 48 hours. What do you think? Panic began to set in of the thought of having to be there another two days. In this dark world, though we have been given these exceedingly precious promises of rescue by Jesus, you know, it's so easy still, isn't it, to lose doubt, start having doubt, to lose faith. It's so easy to begin letting that doubt creep in, thinking, am I really acceptable? Is my sin too great? I have blown it over and over again. He can't continue to forgive me. I'm too weak. I'm just a weak person. I'm not as good as that other person I know, or I'm just not as good as everybody else. Jesus, is he really coming back? He said he is, but why does he wait? Why has he not come back like he said he would? Is he delaying? Why is he delaying? Maybe he doesn't love us as much as he says. How could he love us as much as he says? Brothers and sisters, when doubt creeps in, when you have those moments when you're at your weakest of your week, maybe you've been there recently, I want to encourage your heart this morning and say don't lose faith in the promise of the rescue because it's real. If my wife and I were up worried sick over our family that was missing, how much more is our incredible maker, God and Father of all, worried about us, his beloved children? It says that he has created all things in heaven and earth are made by him and through him. And he's not just a creator. It says also in the New Testament, he is the sustainer of the universe. He's got his eye on you right now. Around 11 a.m., they said, enough is enough. The campers, they said, we're getting out of here. We're not waiting anymore. And they tied a rope around Ryan, the most athletic of them, and sent him in. He's the youngest. He swam across the river brilliantly. It took him way down, but he got across. And he tied that rope around a tree tight. He said, come on, let's go. And Chad went next. And he took that rope, and he made it across that river. It was hard, but he made it. Then Leslie, she got in. She was nervous, but they were saying, come on, we can do this. We can do this. She got halfway through, and the water took her. And she had a backpack on, and that weight of that backpack took her forward, and it drug her under the water, and the current kept her under the water, and Chad panicked and dove back in with the rope and grabbed her and pulled her head back up just in time. Big breath of air. It was so scary, they said. They went straight back to the original side of the river and said, No. Bible says that in the days just before our rescue, there's going to be a great time of trouble that no man has experienced. Revelation tells us about it, tells us about the plagues, and it tells us about the martyrs, tells us about the imprisonments. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have tribulation. But he says, be of good cheer, because he's overcome this world. He not only has overcome death, 
the biggest weapon against us in this world, but he promises that one day soon that he is going to crack open the skies of this earth and he's going to fill it with his powerful presence. On that promised day, his brilliance is going to shine through and flash to every crevice of this dark woods on this sinful planet earth. 1 Chronicles 16, 31 to 36 says it this way. It says, let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar in all of its fullness. Let the field rejoice in all that is in it. Then the trees of the woods shall rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And say, save us, O oh God, of our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Oh, brothers and sisters, I call you this morning to rejoice with me because Jesus is coming. And he's coming with power. And he's coming with authority. And he's coming with victory. And he's coming with vengeance. Jesus is coming. And he's coming on time. And he's coming in time. And he's coming to give you more time than you could ever imagine. Jesus is coming. And he's coming with crowns, and he's coming with robes, and he's coming with healing and comfort in his wings. Jesus is coming, and he's coming to resurrect, and he's coming to change this corruptible into incorruptible, and this mortal shall put on immortality. Jesus is coming for you. He is coming for you. Jesus is coming for you. Just as they safely rescued Leslie back to her side of the river, it was right on time, folks. The rescue came, and when they came, folks, they came with a vengeance. They showed up at the bottom of the gorge with ATVs. They showed up with multiple helicopters in the sky, with ambulances, with doctors, with volunteers from three different fire departments, with the news crews also. Yes, the Channel 9 local news from Charlotte came and personally walked down that trail himself, and at the, I'll never forget the end of the story on the nightly news. There's a picture of the trail sign, and he said, here it is, his cabin trail. He said, I will never go down this trail again in my life. <laughs> We saw them finally back at the house about 7 o'clock that night. And let me tell you, we wrapped our arms around them so tight, we thought we'd never let them go. Folks, I want to ask you, do you want to get out of the woods and go home? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And when he does, he'll wrap his arms around us so tight he may just never let us go. And when he comes, we will never, ever hike down that road of sin again for all eternity. Hallelujah. 
Do you want to have safety in the Lord for all eternity? Speaking about eternity, God said something about it in Ezekiel 34, 25. He says, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and I will cause wild beasts, I will cause wild beasts to cease from the land, and they will dwell safely in the wilderness, and they will sleep in the woods. Amen. What is stopping us today, folks, from securing our eternal salvation in Jesus Christ today? He is calling for you. Believe in Him. Trust Him. Trust in that promised rescue. Share that hope you, with all that you possibly can. And rest assured, soon we will get out of the woods of this world. We will. And that means, in the end, folks, yes, indeed, we will all be happy campers. Amen and amen. Thank you all.